Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, last week we started a brand new series called Roots. We're going back to the basics. And last week I told you that roots are absolutely essential. They're unseen. A lot of times we overlook them. We don't pay them any attention. But how many of you know that roots are absolutely necessary for growth? All the fruit that you see above the ground is dictated by what's happening under the ground, right? The foundations of our life determine what happens in our lives. And so I told you last week that roots are necessary to sustain life. They are uh, crucial in helping us to move. They aid in our movement. They anchor us during stormy weather. And yes, they they supply sustenance during dry times. That's what roots do. So let me just remind you quickly what our root system is made up of here at at this church and in our lives, we believe. The first is praise. We talked about that last week, and I'll recap just in a minute about that. We also talked about purpose. But the other roots that are in place are people, which we're going to talk about today, place, which we're going to talk about today, and prayer, and Pentecost, and presence, and preaching. And I told you last week that uh, as we started off that the first route we talked about was praise. And I told you very clearly that our victory is wrapped up in our praise. I hope you've been praising all week. I I hope you've been looking like a crazy fool in your car driving down the road singing and people think you're weird but you're still praising. I hope at your job you've still been praising. I hope in your home when when your spouse is acting like a whatever they act like that you, you still are praising. That you understand and your victory is wrapped up in your praise. And then I also told you that inside of your praise is plunder because every time we praise, God lays up spoils from the enemy. And I also told you that peace is wrapped up in your praise. I hope that during the most overwhelming moment of your week, that right in the middle of that, you remember that message and begin to praise the Lord because when you praise Him... There is peace that is produced. And then I told you that we have to be rooted to our purpose. It's not enough just as a body, an entire church, for us to know our purpose. You have to know your purpose as well. Well, there are some other roots I want us to look at. I want you to turn in your Bibles if you have them. If not, it will be up on the screen to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36. I just want to read you kind of a summary verse about Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36 says this. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of disease and all manner of sickness. But when he saw the multitudes, let me stop right there and and, and read that again. I want you to hear this. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion for them because they were distressed and scattered as sheep not having a shepherd. Then in Luke chapter 19 verse 41, Jesus has been outside of town and he's making his way back into Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he's entering that city and he sees, he kind of crests over a hill and he sees the expanse of that city. And in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41, the first part of that verse says, When the city came into view, he wept over it. I want to talk to you this morning about two more very important roots, not only in our church, but in our lives. That is people and place. I want us to look at those two roots five times in Matthew. 
four times in Mark, three times in Luke, we are told that either Jesus was moved on by compassion. That's one of the examples I read to you out of Matthew, where Jesus was moved on by compassion. Or if Jesus isn't the central figure of the story, it's Jesus telling a parable about a character that represents God, like the prodigal son, the father. And that father is moved on by compassion. All those different occasions, we are told that Jesus was, or God is moved on by compassion for people. In other words, you can wrap up Jesus' whole ministry in one simple statement. Jesus was moved by people. Jesus was rooted to people. In fact, when you stop and think about it, I started thinking about Jesus' earthly ministry over this past week, and I summarized it like this. I said this, he was moved by people. He took time for people. He touched people. He healed people. And ultimately, he died for people. When you think about Jesus' life and ministry, he was rooted in people. He was surrounded by people. He was hurt by people. He was spit on by people. He was betrayed by people. And yet, he continued to love people. That's where we must live. That's the kind of life that I am calling us as a body and as you as an individual to live. We must live a Jesus kind of life where we stay rooted and connected to people so that we understand and we are moved on by what influences and impacts them. I'm calling you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. I want to challenge you this morning with some questions that I hope will pull you kicking and screaming out of your comfort zone so that you understand that we must live rooted to people. Let me ask you some questions this morning. If we say that we're Christians, little Christs, we take on Jesus' name, that he's changed our life, then I have some questions for you this morning. The first one is this, are you moved by people? When's the last time you took a look around you and saw the conditions of people as they are moving and operating in brokenness and, and in bondage and in chains and in sickness and in sin, and you were so moved on by compassion that it moved you to do something about it? So you need to understand this morning that compassion is not only a deep awareness of suffering, but it is this compulsion or this unction to do something to change it. In fact, there are many Greek words used in the New Testament for compassion, but there's one particular Greek word that was never even used until Jesus began to use it. And that Greek word that he began to use for compassion carries with it a concept or an idea of courage. In other words, what Jesus is saying to us is that, yeah, I want you to be moved by people, but I want you to see their plight, and I want you to see their circumstance and see the pain of their life and the hurt on their face and the blankness in their eyes. But then not only do I want you to be touched by that, I want you to have the courage to do something about it. I, I know it's been football season. I've been watching a little bit of football. Uh, newsflash. I've been watching just a little bit of football. And, you know, when you don't really care who wins, you don't pay a lot of attention. It's just football. And I was numbly watching Texas Tech take on Ole Miss, and uh, they begin to waste time during the game. You know how the the news the uh, sportscasts do? They they waste time. You know, guys know what I'm talking about. They do human interest stories. That's a waste of time. This is about football, you know. And and so uh, they they threw the the interview to the sidelines. I never even pay attention unless they're talking to one of the players or the coaches, and then they all use cliches, so it doesn't really matter. Um, we just take it one game at a time. You know, all that junk that they always say. Uh, but this particular occasion, they started this human interest story, and I just kind of checked out. But all of a sudden, it caught my attention. I believe it was the Spirit of God that caught my attention. They, they threw it to the sideline of Ole Miss, and they began to interview this uh, middle-aged white couple. 
and I'm going to blow their name because they've got a tough, tough last name, but their last name is Tui or Toey, T-U-O-H-Y. Uh, they, they live in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, middle-aged white couple, and they begin to interview them about one of the young men playing football. And so I went and t- called Mike Baker, and he helped me find the story, and we found out what happened. Here's what happened. Sean Toey was, was uh, volunteering at a local high school. He wasn't the basketball coach. He just began to volunteer there. They needed some help. And so he would show up in the afternoons at basketball practice. And while he was assisting the basketball program uh, to, to improve, he came into contact with one particular young African-American teenage man. And he began to have conversations with him. And over the course of the next few weeks and months, on an occasion, he would buy him lunch. And that seemed to be the end of it. Until Thanksgiving break, one Thanksgiving break, they're driving down one of the city streets in one of the bad neighborhoods of that city, minding their own business, when the city bus stops and this same young man steps off the bus during Thanksgiving in nothing but a pair of shorts. And it was snowing outside. And the reporter began to talk to her. And, and the, the, the man, his name Sean, said, you know, really... I get too much credit. I would have never stopped. It was a bad part of town. Uh, you know, I'm trying to protect myself and just not supposed to be there. I'm kind of the wrong color to be there anyway, and I just didn't. But my wife caused me and encouraged me, and so they stopped, and they began to talk to this young man and realized it was the same young man he'd been buying lunch for. And this is what they discovered. They discovered that this young man was one of 13 children born to a mother who was addicted to crack. And ironically, I think it is unbelievable that, that, uh, that in that kind of a situation, this is where this young man lived. He lived in a part of Memphis called Hurt Village Project. Boy, if that didn't fit. One of 13 children. He had, by the time he was in ninth grade, he had been to 11 schools, and he had a .6 GPA. But they stopped. The reporter asked her, why did you stop? She said two things. She said he looked Hopeless and helpless, and it looked like he needed a hug. And they stopped, but they did more than stop. They invited him into their car. They took him home. They let him begin to live with them. And in 2004, they adopted him as their own son. And now they're taking care of him, and they're, they're nurturing him, and they're sustaining him. They're watching over him. They're protecting him. And when it comes time to graduate from high school, he graduates, and they send him to Ole Miss, and they pay for his college education. His name is Michael Ower. He's a six foot five, 318-pound football player who is now going to be in the top ten of the NFL draft. Because why? Because they were moved by people. And as I'm sitting there watching that football game thinking human entry story, waste of time, the Holy Spirit grabs me by the throat and says, would you have stopped? You're driving down Wilshire. You see a young teenage boy, different color, not the same status in life as you. You've seen all the scam artists standing on the corner. You're callous. You're cold. You don't really give a rip. Would you have stopped? And I sat in my living room and had church. Because I had to repent. My question is, is this to you this morning. Would you have stopped? Will you stop? We must get back to the place where we have the heart of Christ and we are moved on by compassion. Where all the cynicism fades away. Where, where this idea that they're just going to hurt me, they're just going to use me. Well, isn't that what they did to somebody named Jesus? The second thing I want to ask you is, do we take time for people? 
Do we really take time for people, or do we see people as just an inconvenient interruption? I wonder how many times we miss God-ordained moments, divine assignments from God, where He sends people to intersect our lives, but because we're not rooted to people, we see them as nothing more than an inconvenient interruption, and we rush by them. We go home, and we push the button on the garage, and we walk into our house, never have to talk to anybody, never have to communicate with anybody, never have to interact with anybody. We don't want to be around people, and we miss divine appointments that He set up. Two Princeton University psychology teachers, professors, wondered about that whole thing right there. And they did this little test. They gathered together a group of study students. It was all students that wanted to go into the ministry. They were there to go to seminary. And they interviewed this study group and they said, why do you want to go into the ministry? And you know what just about every one of them said? So we can help people. That's a good reason to go into ministry, isn't it? So they decided to, to, to do this little test. They, they took half the group and they assigned them to preach a five-minute message on the Good Samaritan. Y'all know the story of Good Samaritan, right? Help somebody that's been hurt. So they assigned them that five-minute sermon and sent them on their way to study. The other half, they said, you can preach on anything you want to. We just want you to come back with a five-minute sermon and come and share your heart for five minutes. And they gave them a couple days, and they brought them back to one particular building, and they'd set it up so that what they would do is they'd bring them into the room, and they would say one of two things to them. First, they would say they, they had set it up so that they would send them across the street to another building. The students didn't know this part. They had hired an actor to lay in the street and moan and groan as if he had been mortally wounded, sick, hurt, destroyed. And they brought them in the original room, and they did two things. With one group, they said, they're waiting for you across the street. You're five minutes late, man. They've been waiting for you. You need to hurry and get over there because they're waiting on you to share your sermon. Come on, hurry over there. The second group, they did this. They said, you know what? It'd probably be a good idea if you head on across the street. You're way early. They're really not expecting you right now. But if you just go on, it'd be a good idea for you to get over there early. You know what they discovered? That everybody they said, that, that uh, out of the group that they said, hurry, you're late, only 10% of them actually stopped to help the man laying in the street. In fact, out of those that had prepared the message about the Good Samaritan, most of them stepped over the guy to get to where they were to preach their message. You know who stopped? 63% of those who didn't feel like they were in a hurry stopped to assist. You know what the conclusion was? Hurry kills compassion. I'm going to say something to you this morning. We're in too big a hurry. I got to get my kids to the 92 activities that I have them signed up for. I got to get to the movies. I got to get to the bank. I got to get to the job. I got to get to that lunch appointment. I got to get my hair done. I got to go to Walmart. I got to beat the line. I got to, and we're in such a big hurry that we no longer stop and take time for people. If we are going to be what God has called us to be, we must stay rooted to people. The third question I have for you is this Do you touch people? Oh, I know, I know, I know. Our society has become hands-off. You touch me, I'll sue you for sexual harassment. Don't you touch me. And so we become so, uh, so hands-off. We don't touch anybody. The problem with that is that we brought that same attitude and concept into the church, and we never reach out and touch anybody. We're so careful, and we ought to be careful. But the reality is, is that God has called us to live a touchy life. 
where we reach out and touch one another. Did you know that our touch can bring hope and encouragement? Did you know one simple hug can bring safety and peace? Did you know that scientists have discovered that the amount of body contact in our lives plays a vital role in our mental and physical development as infants and in our happiness and vigor as adults? Did you know that? Did you know that our touch, when we touch someone, it influences our ability to deal with stress and pain? Did you know that the, the, the touch, a simple touch, various studies show us that it helps us form close relationships and it helps us fight off disease? Various studies have shown that when someone else gently holds your wrist, just reaches out and, come on, t grab your neighbor's wrist just real lightly. Did you know if you'll sit like that throughout the course of this service, a couple things will happen. First thing that happen is your heartbeat will slow down. Unless you really like the person sitting next to you, and then it might go up. I don't know. But when you hold their wrist gently like that, their heartbeat will slow down, and check this out, their blood pressure will decrease because of a simple little thing as, such as touch. You can let go if you want to. Otherwise, some of you, I just gave you the perfect in route, you single guys. You just give reach out. I know how you are. Children and adolescents that are hospitalized for psychiatric problems, did you know that they show remarkable reductions in the amount of stress levels and they have positive changes in attitude just through a simple, daily, short, brief back rub? Man, I could get in line for that, right? Touch. Simple touch. Jesus was constantly reaching out and touching someone, or someone was constantly touching him. In fact, if you go through the New Testament, the word touch is used 29 times in reference to Jesus' ministry. 29 different occasions he touched someone. He touched the blind man. He touched the leprous man. He touched the dead daughter. He touched somebody. He touched men. He touched women. He touched children. He touched healthy folks, he, he touched sick folks, he touched wanted folks, he touched unwanted folks, he touched touchable folks, he touched untouchable folks, he touched live people, he touched dead people. Jesus was touchy. And I want to say to you this morning, if we're going to stay rooted to people, then we must touch people. We must be willing to go outside these four walls and lay hands on people that nobody else will touch. We must come inside these four walls and look around us and see pain in people's face and eyes. And we must be willing to walk past them and touch them. We must go to our workplaces and be willing. Yes, safe. Yes, cautious. But we got to use wisdom. But yes, we still touch and reach. Come on, stand up with me right now. Come on, we got to act this out. I want you to find somebody. Guys, listen, the Bible says that we're to, to greet one another with a holy kiss. So, Pucker up right now. Get the get. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. But we're going to do this. It says a holy kiss. We're we're not real comfortable with the kissing thing. Uh, well, some of you kind of probably are. But we're we're gonna we're gonna forego that. But we still want to do it holy. So guys, hug women from the side. Women hug men from the side unless you're married to them. But I want you to find somebody. And I know what you normally do. You always go to the same people because you're comfortable with them and you hug on them. I want you to find somebody. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to find somebody that needs to be encouraged. Somebody whose blood pressure needs to go down somebody that needs a dose of peace and I want you to find somebody and either hug on them shake their hand pat them on the back and allow your touch to change them come on move move find somebody and hug on them just a minute
Oh, some of y'all liking this. Some of you liking it too much. Oh, oh, I don't like it as much anymore. All right, all right, you can be seated. Become touchy people. How many of you have ever gone to a church and nobody touched you? Not very welcoming, is it? How many of you have gone through a day of your life and nobody touched you? No fun, is it? I want to tell you, God is sending us to people who need to be touched. The next thing I want to ask you is this. Have you healed anyone lately? <gasps> we get nervous right there. See, because what we think is we begin to think about all the eye-popping, jaw-dropping miracles that Jesus performed. And let me just stop right there and say we're supposed to be doing the same things. In fact, Jesus said we do greater things than he ever did. But here's my contention this morning. I think maybe... I need to ask you this question. Have we healed anyone lately of different kinds of sicknesses like this? Depression. Have we healed anybody lately from loneliness? Have we healed anybody lately from stress or fear or anger or hate? You say, well, why is that important? My contention is this. Maybe we don't see the eye-popping miracles because we don't take care of the daily, overlooked, ignored, commonplace diseases that we come into contact with every day. Some of you waiting, you've been waiting all your life. You just want one moment where you can walk into the cemetery and say, come alive, and they pop up out of the grave. But you won't help nobody with some depression and nobody that's been going through a tough time, and you won't heal them of that and turn their frown into a smile and give them hope and confidence, and you're waiting on that one day when you can walk and raise somebody out of a casket. I want to say something to you. You will probably never raise anybody out of the casket until you can first cause somebody that you work with, that you live your life with, that you come into contact with, who's down in the dumps, and bring them out of that and produce healing in that moment, quit waiting on the, on the cemetery. We need to heal folks. That's what God has called us to do. That is our assignment. That is our mandate. Whose tears have you dried lately? Whose heart have you rescued? Whose life have you changed by healing them? The last thing I'd ask you is this. Have you died for anyone lately? Oh, I know Jesus died literally. And who knows the day may come where you're called to die literally for your friend or for someone that you're in relationship with. But I do know this. Scripture calls us to die every day. We are to lay our life down for folks. Let me get real practical with you this morning. When was the last time you let somebody else go in line in front of you without griping? When's the last time you let somebody cut you, in traffic, cut you off in traffic and didn't read them the riot act? When's the last time that you had something you could say, but you chose not to say it because you realized if I do say it, I will crush them, I will destroy them, I will hurt them. That's dying. Dying to self. When's the last time you did that? We must stay rooted to people. Now, let me just say this. Our ability to stay rooted to people directly links to our heart condition. We will never love people, touch people, be moved by people, heal people, take time for people if Jesus' heart is not beating in us. We come to church on a regular basis and we expect pastors to tell us to love others. And yeah, that's true. We should. My thing is I think we miss an important step. Because the first act of love is not towards them. It's towards Him. You can never love them if you're not in a love relationship with him. In fact, I would say this to you this morning. Loving people is hard. Have you figured that out yet? 
Don't say amen, husbands or wives. Sometimes loving folks is difficult. They rub you the wrong way. They get on your last nerve, right? It's hard because we miss the step. The step is, is that we don't try to love them first until first we love him. That's why in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says we love each other as a result of his loving us first. That's why we're told that we should love others because we've been accepted as a child. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. That's why we can forgive people when they hurt us. That's why we can deal with people that do us wrong and they do scam us because in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Max Locato was right. He was correct when he said this, the secret of loving is living loved. Many of us, or many people tell us to love, only God gives us the power to do so. So what I am saying to you this morning is we will never stay rooted to people on our own. We will never continue to love people on our own because what will happen is they will do us wrong. When we reach out to people that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't behave like us, and don't understand what we understand, when we reach out to them, they will hurt us and will want to stop loving in fact, you're sitting next to some folks right now, some of you that you wished you could stop loving. And you know what? If we do it in our own power, we will stop loving. But when we understand that we were first loved by Him, how can I not love? I am calling you this morning to love people. Here's what I'm basically asking you to do. Because you're loved, be moved by those who are not. Because you are touched Touch those who are not being touched by others. Because you've been healed, reach out and heal those who haven't been healed. Because somebody died for you, step out and take a step of faith and die for somebody that nobody will die for. That's real love. That's how we stay rooted to people. James and I went out to lunch a few weeks ago. We are sitting over pizza, and uh, he began to share his testimony with me, and he's going to share his testimony now. Let me just kind of bring you up to speed he looked at me and he said I hated people but I'll let you tell him where he's headed now because God has changed his life and rooted him to him to people James come and share your testimony real quick thanks thanks pastor um pastor wanted me to just kind of share about uh love for people um who's been hurt by people we've all been hurt by people you know and it was that deep hurt in my life that made um created a bitterness for people um i like like pastor said i hated people um you know they were just always there to betray me or backstab me or um in every way um growing up my entire life i've i was a uh, um overweight um you know i was always the butt of every joke um and uh you know you i would think that that would all change with um you know with me losing weight i lost about 100 pounds and uh, it didn't change, you know. It just made it more of a, um, I, then I saw everybody as a hypocrite because the people that never wanted a relationship with me, now they, they want to be my friend. And I'm like, you know, no way. I'm not, I'm not going to be your friend. You know, how am I supposed to uh, 
you know, you know, I'm tr- trying to do the thing, trying to, how am I supposed to love people, loving people? Man, it's tough. Um, I was reading in uh, the Word and uh, the Great Commandment, what God gives us, and it says, you know, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second, as important as the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And I was really thinking about this. What does this mean for me? You know, for one thing, I don't love myself, I guess, because, um, you know, if I'm supposed to love others, then, you know, I guess I'm not really loving myself. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen until I realized, how am I supposed to love God? This whole love thing, you know, I don't, I don't even get it. Um. God loves us, but we have to receive that. If we don't receive his love, we're never going to be able to love him or love others. And um, it's all through that, uh, that God just really got a hold of me and has changed my life, changed the way I look towards people. I love people now. uh, Relationship is the most important thing to me on this earth. Um, You know, we need to be recognized as followers of Christ by loving others as he loved us. You know, if we're not recognized by that, you know, what is the point? Um, I actually uh, uh, went to India actually in March. And uh, when I was in India this last year, uh, the Lord really spoke to me and uh, about some things. And, you know, the God really never had audibly spoke to me uh, in such a way until this time. Um, you know, I don't know if it was like because I'd just gotten off my water buffalo um, but, you know, these kids at the orphanage thought it'd be funny to get me on a water buffalo. Nah, you know, that's cool. I'll get on there. And then uh, without telling me, they start slapping the thing, you know. The water buffalo takes off. I mean, I, this Okie turned cowboy quick, you know. I'm, I'm holding on for dear life. But, but um, seriously, though, uh, God just really touched me and told me that he wanted to be, uh, me to be his missionary and uh, that I'm now being obedient to that and i um, gone through training, and, and I'm heading off to the field actually Tuesday. I'll be heading to South Africa for the next three years. Um, just loving kids, loving people um, in a way that um, was I could never fathom before. Um, you know, compassion, having compassion and having a commitment to a cause is, is very important. But without love, it's, it's dead. There's nothing there. I mean, you have to have compassion that's real, and it's all rooted in love. And... Uh, you know, I just I thank you for uh, this church. It has been such a, a blessing to me. Um, and I just pray that you guys would continue to keep me in your prayers as I head off. Um, and I'll have some information out there. I have a little table set up. If anybody has any um, questions for me or um, interested in um, knowing how you can pray for me specifically and, or, or giving or anything like that, uh, I'll be out there. So thank you. Thank you, James. I want you to get this now. He went from hating people to now he's going to move to the other side of the world, away from family, away from friends, to give his life for people. That's what I'm talking about, folks. See, the crazy thing about it is we hear stories like that, but we won't cross the street. Boy, I'm preaching real good right now. Hey, I'm guilty. I'm just, man, come on now. I've got one of those automated garage things, too. We won't even cross the street because we haven't become rooted in people. I am challenging you. One of the foundations of this church is this. We will continue 
to remain rooted in people. That means we won't focus more on programs than we do people. If all we do is drive past people to get here and do church, then we're missing it. That's what this whole thing is about. And then quickly, let me just talk to you about place for a moment. Because what I recognize is this. Jesus didn't just weep over people. He wept over a place. In Luke chapter 19, I read to you that the Bible says that when he crested the hill and he saw Jerusalem, that he began to weep for the city of Jerusalem. I wonder whether or not you've recognized or examined the condition of our city lately. I don't have time to go into all the plight that is taking over our city and all the sin that is there. I just want to say to you that at some moment in this whole exchange of where we get rooted to the things that matter, we have got to understand that God has divinely orchestrated and planted us here for this place. Because there are people here that are dying and going to hell. In fact, when we got ready to plant our church here, I, I, I was uh, confronted by some friends and some people that... I don't know if they count me as friends, but they set me down and talked to me, some that were real close friends, and they say, why Oklahoma City? Doesn't Oklahoma City have enough churches already? And I, I was taken back by that until suddenly I realized, I, and I began to ask some questions, is everybody saved? Has all the, all the heartache in the city gone? Is all the drug addiction broken? Or is all the pain in everybody's life gone? No. So there needs to be another church so people can come and find Jesus. We are divinely planted. God handpicked us. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us. He positioned us at 6220 Northwest Expressway and now 6218 Northwest Expressway to be positioned here for such a time as this to make an impact and a change and, and a difference in this community. And if we ignore that, we've missed the boat. We are in this place for now to impact people. John Chastine in service last week uh, came up to me after service and he was kicking himself and he, he said, I, I disobeyed God. I had a word from the Lord and I didn't share it. And he was, you've done that before, I know, and you feel like such a, a, a bum for doing that. But I honestly believe that God stopped him. Now that I look back on it and I've had time to think about it, I think God kept him from sharing the word because he emailed me the word and I want to read it to you. Some of you that are on our newsletter list, I emailed it to you and you've already read it. But I want you, if you've read it, fine. I want it to sink in. I want you to understand the implications of what God was saying. He said this, I have a place for you in this city. It is a unique place that I am pro propelling you towards even day by day. It is a niche that is being carved and prepared, so do not be discouraged or dismayed as you look around you. I am calling you to join with me in the carving process. I call you this year to renew in your spiritual disciplines so that your passion can be known to all and so that you can follow me in the process. Your commitment to the spiritual disciplines of the faith will not gain you points with me, but rather they will place you in a position to assist me as I carve out the niche. So I I call you to a year of learning, rediscovery, and practicing spiritual disciplines, not out of legalism, but out of love and devotion for me. So delight in this new season and take liberty to explore. Know that I will be doing many things that you hadn't thought about or prepared for, so be open. I say be open, and again, I say be open. I'll give you many new paradigm shifts if you will let me. So rejoice. I have a place for you in this city that ought to encourage us 
That ought to challenge us, yes. But it ought to encourage us to know that God is carving out a special place for us as a body to impact and bring change to a city. When the course of passion has run and every church has a life um, span where at some point they ought to pull the plug and let it die, right? I don't know when that point is in our history or in our future. Someday will come when history will say passion is over. But if we come to the end of that span of time and we haven't made any difference in our community we wasted our time and we've squandered our destiny and we weren't good stewards of what God has given into our hands we must be rooted to this place what should move us about our city can I tell you real quickly blindness Jesus was moved by their blindness. If you go back and read Luke chapter 19, and in that verse 41, the last part, I didn't read it to you. Basically, Jesus says, I, I'm weeping over you because you didn't recognize the day. You didn't recognize who I was. You didn't recognize what I could do. What I want to say should move us to action and move us in this place is we should be moved by the blindness of the people around us. Why do people steal? Because they're blind. Why do people kill? Because they're blind. Why are people addicted to drugs and alcohol? Because they're blind. They don't know who Jesus is, and they don't know what Jesus can do. If they would ever have an encounter and understand who he is, they wouldn't do what they do. Why are people locked in homosexual lifestyles? Because they're blind. Why are people abusing themselves? Because they're blind. Why do people want to kill themselves? Because they're blind. What should move us when we travel to Walmart, when we go to the bank, when we take a trip to Chick-fil-A, when you hop a plane and fly out of here and you fly over Oklahoma City and the surrounding communities, what should move you to tears, but more than just to tears, what should move you to action is the fact that the people we come into contact with are blind. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Here's my challenge to you this morning. Stay rooted to people. Understand that we are rooted to this place. Do I think that God has things for us to do in other parts of Oklahoma? Absolutely. Do I think that God wants us to impact other nations? Yes, and we already are. But I am convinced that before we can take care of other parts of Oklahoma or whether before we can do our duty and really impact nations around the world he has called us to this place for this time for this community and we must make a difference or we are playing church it's time we've got to take care of people and we've got to take care of our place in the kingdom here's how I want us to pray this morning I am going to pray that God will once again birth compassion in us Maybe I just need to repent. I can't remember if I said this in the first service. I've already said it to you, but I'm hard-hearted sometimes. I'm callous sometimes. I'm cynical sometimes towards people. Don't look at me like that because a lot of you are too. You've seen it before. You've been scammed before. You've been, look, I am asking that God will rip out my hard heart and replace it with Jesus' heart, and I will be moved by people to where I'll stop my car on the wrong side of town and let a teenage young man step into my car and change his life if that's what he's called me to do compassion father this morning I ask you to do this in every life 
every person under the sound of my voice, root us to people. God, I pray that we would become moved by compassion. I pray that as we go through the daily course of our life, where we've been in such a hurry that it's killed our compassion. Father, my prayer this morning is this. We will slow down and we will pay attention to the divine appointments that you've placed in our lives where you're causing people to intersect our lives and we will be moved to touch people, to heal people, to love on people, to die for people, to change people's lives. Give us a heart of compassion once again. And Father, I pray also for every person under the sound of my voice, give us a spirit of compassion for this place. I pray that we wouldn't get wrapped up in a building. Don't want that to happen. This is just a vehicle. This is just a tool. I pray that what you would do is you would allow us to get rooted in this place, our community, this divinely carved out niche that you're creating for us that we can stand here and create and cause things to happen for people that will change their life and the history of their life forever. God, if we're not going to do that, shut us down. If we're not willing to impact our community for you, then pull the plug. Let money dry up. Let people dry up. Move us out of the way and bring somebody that will be rooted to this place and care for this community and change the environment that we live in. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. To stay rooted to people, you have to be connected to people. I'm not going to take long this morning, but we, one of the real foundational elements of our church is this, that we would be in relationship with people. And to do that, you have to spend time with people. And so we created a vehicle by, that, by which that can take place called PODs places of discipleship and we're starting a new year and we got a whole bunch of new stuff happening and so we want to let you in on that if let me just say this as your pastor if you're not involved in a pod shame on you so I'm so busy I already talked about that slow down there are people in the, under the sound of my voice that are here every week that God has ordained and assigned you to and if you're in a hurry you'll miss it so you need to be involved in pods. Watch this video. Good morning. I'm Carlene, and I coordinate pod ministry here at Passion. If you don't know by now, pod stands for Places of Discipleship, and it's a small group environment where our people spend time together. Being part of a pod is doing life together better. Our people lead pods based on their interest and their passion. We have pods that watch movies, play games, study, or just share food and fellowship together. We are excited to announce six brand new pods that are starting in the next few weeks. Beth Moore Bible Study for Women, Home Studio Enthusiast Pod, Newlyweds and To Be Wed Pod, Men Only Pod, Book and Creative Writing Pod, and Financial Peace University Pod. These pods bring our total to 14 pods led by people who are passionate about helping you do life together better. And now some of our pod leaders are coming and they are going to share what you will find if you attend their pod. Hello everyone, I'm John Chastine. 
And I'm going to embarrass you, Carlene. She told me not to. She said, don't, don't, th last service I thanked her and just made everybody clap for her. And she said, don't do that again. So, you know me, you, you can't say that to someone like me. Everyone clap for Carlene. You should have just left it alone. You should have left it alone. Carlene's done a good job with the pods, and, and I just wanted to embarrass her more than anything. Um, how many of you know there's two different types of, of kind of friendships that you would have with someone? There's the kind where in passing you're just like, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, yeah, it's good to see you again. You been doing all right? Yeah. And then there's those kinds where it's like, man, how are you doing? How's the family, you know? What's up? So there, there, for me, when I came here, there was a – I've always been here, I guess. But when I've been here, um, there's been some people that come to church here that it's been the what's up. Hey, man, what's up? And then the, some of those couples have started coming to our pod. We have a, we have a pod for young couples, um, young married couples with kids. Some of them bring their kids. Some don't. You can bring your kids if you want to deal with them. We choose not to. Um, <laughs> but for, for a lot of the people that have started coming to our pod, people have become from the what's up to, hey, how are you doing? You know what I mean? Woody's in my pod. Um, Kristen and Jessica, there's just a lot of couples that we've grown really close to. So I would challenge you, uh, not every pod's going to be for you, but I would challenge you to get some, some how are you doing friends, not some what's up friends. So, all right, that's it. Um, you're welcome to come to my pod. We meet every second and fourth Saturday. Um, and we meet at various places at different houses. So just go to the website or call me or stop me and uh, tell you more information about it. Thanks. Good deal. Repeat after me. Studiopod.web.com. Let's do it again. Studiopod.webs.com. That's where you can go to find out about my pod. Thank you. I'm just joking. Just joking. Um, if you're interested in recording studio home studio enthusiast, whatever, if you just like push and play on the recorder, that's fine. Um, we get together and we're going to start this Saturday. Um, we meet once a month, um, the third Saturday of each month. And basically it's going to be getting together and recording, mic placement, anything to do about recording, playing, anything at all. That's what my pod is all about. So if that interests you, I'll see you Saturday. That's all. Hey, um, our pod is with mainly guys, but girls are welcome too. And it's basically for soccer players. And what we do is just that. We play soccer. We meet in random locations at random times. So we need your email to let you know what's going on. We're also trying to set up to play again in an indoor league. We did it last year and we were runner-ups. This year we're going for all and we're going to win the championship. So just get in touch with me or Seth or Johannes or Danny and we'll let you know when we play, how we play, and that you can be a part of. Thank you. Good afternoon. I was going to say good morning, but it's afternoon now. Um, my name is Tari. My wife's name is Amy. She's sitting over there. We're going to be doing the Financial Peace Pod starting uh, February the 18th. Uh, we had the um, wonderful opportunity to go through the Passion Peace, excuse me, Passion Peace, Financial Peace University Um um, training and study last spring, and it's been a tremendous blessing to us. Uh, there's principles that we've learned that we've put into effect now using the envelope system, setting, setting up emergency funds that have literally brought us peace in our life now. Uh, we will be meeting, like I said, on the 18th of February, and um, you can contact myself or Carlene to um, 
get a booklet and find out exactly what you need to do to register for the class, and we look forward to having you. I'm going to be heading up the men's only pod, and uh, the only requirement for this is that you be male, number one, and number two, you be out of the college age. It's okay if you're still in college, just as long as you're not in the college age. And because I realized something, when I was in college, I had a lot of buddies. I hung out, and we hung out with just guys. And you guys, you know what I'm talking about. There's just something special about that. And so anyways, but since I got out of college, that kind of has not happened. So I want to kind of reinitiate that and get together and talk about football sometimes, talk about God other times, and really just get to know God better. And that's what I want. So if you, have, if you want any information or you'd like to come, just let me know. All right. So there's no excuse. 14 different opportunities for you to get connected to people, right? Right? All right, so if you're not in a pod, you're late for work, you got to get involved so you get to know people. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I hope you've enjoyed. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.